0: Eric, what's going on, pal?
1: Hey, Mike. How's it going?
0: I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, hey. Yeah, anytime. So I'm going through my role decks of my previous guests, authors, athletes, astronauts, celebrities, comedians, world travelers, and a ton of other fascinating people with unique jobs. Yours could top the cake as the most unique profession. Eric, let everyone know what you do for work, my friend. <laughs>
1: well, I, I do this little thing um, – I pretty much saw items from very infamous criminals, serial killers, mass murderers. Um, you know, the, the guys you, you, you see on TV, the documentaries and the movies, you know, things like that. I, I started writing these guys, like Charles Manson. He's, of course, dead now. Um, Richard Ramirez, he's also deceased. Um, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, you know, up in New York. I, I started writing all these guys. You know, like 25 years ago, and um, surprisingly, I, I got responses. You know, for writing writing them through the U.S. mail, and I got responses from them. Um, one of the main guys that got a hold of me got back a hold of me was Richard Ramirez, who, of course, was the Night Stalker, the 1985 um, California serial killer, and um, basically, he propositioned me to. Um, saw some of his artwork, I took him up on it and I mean now we're we're talking 25 years later and it's it's what I've been doing ever since.
0: Now the website is SerialKillerInc.com, and before we even get into all that stuff cuz the story how you got involved in it is just is crazy. Take me back to a young <laughs> Eric. Growing up were you always into I guess like darker and morbid things? Were you always a little uh peculiar growing up?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I uh, you know, uh, from a young age God, you know, I I think it would really it would start with, you know, back in the 70s. I'm 51, so you know, I I pretty much grew up in the 70s, and you know, I was big time into Kiss and Black Sabbath, and you know, of course, back then those were the and Alice Cooper. You know, those those were the bands that, you know, for back then they were they were satanic as hell. You know, they were on all the um the datelines and the 2020s and the you know news programs. You know, telling parents to keep your kids the fuck away from, from these bands, you know, they were going to, they were going to come to your town and, you know, and, and st- steal your daughters and, and, you know, enlist your kids into some satanic, you know, conspiracy. And so it started with Kiss and Black Sabbath and, you know, Alice Cooper and, you know, their lyrical content, you know, they, they mm-hmm. of course, think about dark stuff, but, you know, they had their songs about serial killers, um, you know, ACDC, um, the song "Night for Hour on, on "Highway to Hell" is 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 basically about a uh, a serial killer or a killer breaking in somebody's house in the middle of the night and and basically killing them. Um, so you know that that dark imagery and the, you know the the Satanism and the, you know, the, the the taboo starting subjects and you know things like that it, it really attracted me. You know not not from some crazy fucked up level, but mm-hmm i was just interested in it you know i mean it was it was interesting i was a i was a boy i was a you know a, a a young boy of course i'm gonna you know be attracted to some pretty crazy shit now and yeah and that and that progressed to um you know getting into junior high school and you know experiencing life and learning and discovering wow these there's these people called serial killers out there and Of course, Florida, you know, back in the late 70s and and early 80s was a hotbed for serial killers. I mean, Ted Bundy was caught here. You know, Henry Lee Lucas and I was told, you know, we're from here. And and it was just a hotbed of serial murder here in Florida. And, you know, and that caught my attention and started reading the books. And, you know, I would check out the books from, you know, the library and take them to school. And at school, I would get a, you know, a, a library pass and go to the library and just sit in the school library and, and basically read all, read these books all day. And, and it just really fascinated me. So from there I kind of decided, Hey, you know, I, I kind of, I want to be a cop, you know, for a living. I want to kind of go out and bust these guys and, and just kind of get in the thick of things, you know, their, their minds, you know, reading about them, you know, fascinated me. You know, why, why, why does this guy go out and, not only murder thirty people, but but eat them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it was just really fascinating from a from a from a journalistic standpoint. From a uh, just a, I was just fascinated. I didn't want to go out and you know emulate them or, or, or be these guys. It was, just, it was just very fascinating to me. So uh, the story kind of has its, you know its hills and valleys. So, anyways, I'm gonna you know, to go into law enforcement. Well, Mm -hmm. that of course didn't turn out. And, um, to make a very, very long story into kind of a a opening cliff note version, um, back in the mid nineties, a friend of mine had this, this catalog of addresses of infamous mass murderers and serial killers, you know, Charles Manson, Berkowitz, Ramirez, people like that. And, um, I was like, hey, I'm gonna write a couple of these guys, and, and like I touched on before, you know, I, I sent quite a few of them, you know, postal mail letters, and I heard back from Richard Ramirez, a Night Stalker, really quickly, and he propositioned me to um, sell some of his artwork, which I had, of course, had time, no idea, there wasn't any, there wasn't anything called murderability. it wasn't, it wasn't even a hobby back then. So I was like yeah,
0: sure. Now, Eric, how, how old were you when you wrote these first letters, and, and how did you, um, I guess intrigue Ramirez that he trusted you with his stuff? I
1: was when I first started writing, like like I said, I'm 51 now. It's been about 25 years, so I was 23, 24. This was around 95, 96, 97, somewhere in there. And as far as Ramirez goes, you know, he, he my first letter to him, you know, I. I Remember it vividly because I re- I remember how I you know opened up to him in that first letter you know I, I knew mm-hmm. that he, of course liked liked heavy metal and that's what I was into and you know the whole thing about you know him driving around in his little Toyota looking for houses to break into you know he would he would jam the you know ACDC Highway to Hell album and that album had of course the song called Night Prowler on it and um so I so I knew I could you know connect with him on a, on a music level okay. Um, so, yeah, my, my first letter to him basically was, hey, you know, I'm Eric in Florida. I'm interested in you. Um, I think we have some of the same likes. I, I love ACDC. I love, love Jesus Priest. I love Black Sabbath. You know, I've read that you like them and you're into that kind of music. And, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, I want to send you a little bit of um, moral support and um, just say hi. And that that just and I'd sent him a picture, and you know, back then I had the long hair, and I was all inked up back then. Okay. And, and um, he, you know, later, you know, I, and I had, you know, kept in contact with Richard up until his death, you know, five or six years ago. And the thing with him is, I mean, we we got close. I, I thought of him like a brother. And the thing with him is, is he would always call me a rock star, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the way I look and just, just, just that whole thing, and 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 I would be like Richard man you're the rock star because i mean it's no secret that you know he had a legion of 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 female fans yeah, that- you know
0: what i I want to jump in cuz i'm going to keep interrupting with some of this stuff cuz one thing i we don't do either and we spoke before is glorify this stuff but he did for some reason maybe it was his looks maybe it was whatever it was that uh that he had such charisma that so many people liked him what made you besides the music cuz you just said like you're like a rock star kind of glorifying a little bit what made you connect besides the thing like he was in jail like i bet you there was other musicians you could have wrote to no
1: yeah true well it was it was you know going back to black sabbath and Mm -hmm. obviously and kiss it was just a whole dark taboo um
0: makes sense makes sense about him
1: yeah he was into satanism you know he was into antonio based satanism and and back then my early 20s you know i was was into la bay and Aleister Crowley and, you know, the occult. And, and so was he. And, you know, add that with the whole dark aspect of being a serial murderer and mm-hmm. add that to my fascination with these guys as, as a whole, Richard was, you know, I mean, he, you know, you know like, I, like you said, we're not glorifying these guys, and that's definitely what I, not what I do. Of course, I mean, of course not. Yeah, we're going to get into your business yeah. and
0: stuff, because I wanted the, the backstory, because you charm him. So he writes you back a letter. Uh, I believe he spoke to you on the phone. Eric, where it come where he's like, hey, I'm going to send you paintings? Or did you approach that subject like, hey, can you send me some stuff?
1: Well, no. I mean, when, when he wrote me back, you know, that first letter I got from him, he was like, dude, what's your phone number? And, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> and that first, you know, that first letter he wrote me, he didn't say, hey, what's your phone number? I want to talk to you about selling artwork. He was just, hey, what's your phone number? So I wrote him back, gave him my number, and. You know it takes a couple of weeks for the letters to get to him and, and you know and get past the mail room in San, where you know he was at San Quentin and then, so one weekend you know i got a I got a collect call from Richard Ramirez no, no eric um, wait,
0: who who are you living with are you living with a girl this time your mom alone who are you living with yeah, when the, when the... I, just,
1: I I was married and, and had a, a a a son at the time yeah <laughs>
0: wait, was your wife home when the phone rang
1: yeah well, she she was cool too. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, she, she started writing the guys, too, so it was kind of like a family Okay, okay,
0: imagine a phone call. It's like, Eric, uh, Richard Ramirez on the phone. Okay, so tell me about this oh, first phone yeah. call.
1: Yeah, you know, that was, our weekends were crazy because the phone would ring, and we'd be like, oh, let's see who that, that is calling us, you know, and back then, there was no such thing as car ID, and mm-hmm. you'd have to pick up the phone and see who it was, and but, yeah, no, Richard called, and, you know, he's like, hey, you know, blah, 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 this is Richard. Well, I knew who it was from the from the collect call procedure, you know, when I answered. Sure. but So we just started talking, and I guess, you know, there was chemistry in that phone call. And, and you know, you can only talk for like 15 minutes at a time before it cuts off. But, you know, halfway through, through the call, he was like, hey, Eric, you know, what what? how would you feel if, if I sent you some drawings? Do you think you could sell them? And, um, you know, like I said, at that time, I had no idea about any of that. So I was, of course, I was like, yeah, yeah. So I had no idea how or how I would even go about it, you know, whenever I I said, yeah. But of course, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, no, don't send me any of your artwork. So anyways, yeah, a couple weeks later, I got a package from him and I was like, fuck, man, there's this new thing called eBay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put these up on eBay and, and see what happens. And, you know, he had sent me a. Package of I don't know eight nine ten drawings and you I know, shit you not I put them up and within two or three days every single one of those drawings were sold and you and, know and back then I had sold them for you know Richard's Ramirez's stuff has always been expensive mm-hmm. even back then I put a high, I had put a high price tag on them and people bought them
0: N- <laughs> so now that- you know you go on eBay there's a lot of forgery if I would go on now you know back then you couldn't really search it people just trusted you like i promise you this is richard ramirez art how did you like confirm that it really was his
1: well you know i mean back then i had i had no credibility back then because mm-hmm. nobody knew who i was or anything but you know i had the you know the large manila manila envelopes that he would you know send me the stuff in which of course had the san quentin state prison you know rubber stamp on okay, the front okay okay and so, I would, you know, I would have, you know, I would have the letter from him that he would include because he would always include a letter and, and have the prices for what he wanted per drawing. So I always provided people with at least a photocopy of that letter and the, either the actual envelope or a photocopy of the envelope. So, you know, like I said, back then, I was, I was, I was nobody back then. Nobody knew who I was. So, yeah, it, it did have a lot to do with trust back in the day now not so much because everybody in the hobby and and probably every infamous killer yeah. knows who Eric, Eric Holler is so i have no problem <laughs> you know, someone thinks yeah. now but yeah back then it was just people trusted that okay these items are legitimate and i mean it paid off for mm. them they now you
0: know, already, you're selling them on eBay you see you're shocked how quick they're selling you tell ramirez now when in your brain does it like it snap okay I'm selling Ramirez stuff. Let me reach out to these other dudes, and also like, hey, can I expand my trade? Is that going through your head at this point?
1: Well, no! After God, how it actually how it worked out is is that first package. I mean, it made me a good amount of cash, and kind of a weird side story to it. But but I had always been into like video games and pinball machines and so forth and so on. So. With that first package of art that I sold, I went out and, and bought a pinball machine. Right. <laughs> uh, you know? So 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 I saw I was like, wow, you know what? And at the time I was a graphic designer. I had a real job. I worked in the daytime. I did graphic design for a marketing company here in Florida. And so I was able to pay my bills and also buy all these things in excess, pinball machines and foosball tables and you know, go, we would, you know, use the money that I was making to go to concerts in Atlanta or Tampa or Miami or Orlando. And so I just have started having all this extra money. And so, of course, I wanted more. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, then I did start writing, you know, other killers and propositioning them. Um, Wayne Williams, who is the alleged child murderer in Atlanta. I got in really good with him. And I normally do not write child murders. That's one thing I stay away from. But with the Wayne Williams case, uh-huh. if, if you look into it, there's there's a lot of doubt that he was really the killer. So that's why I had no problems getting him with with Wayne Williams because there there is doubt about him actually being the real killer of of that case. So I got him with Wayne Williams. Okay. I got him. I got him with a guy named Douglas Clark at San Quentin who was. He was called the, sun strip, excuse me, the Sunset Strip Slayer. Um, I got in with Berkowitz a little bit, but as far as Berk, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, he, he wasn't doing any artwork or anything like that, but he would send signed pamphlets and signed religious tracts, and I would end up selling those.
0: No, turns out look, you're, you're yeah, let me jump in with this. Are you paying for this stuff now? Like, you're telling Ramirez, hey, send me some stuff. Berkowitz, they're sending you stuff. How are you compensating them?
1: Well, you know, you know, back in the day, I used to... God, I would always sidestep that question. You know, uh-huh. say, if you would ask me that 10 years ago, I would have went to another subject and kind of just blew that off. But doing this now for 25 years, you know, yeah, yeah I, I... And it, it rubs some people the wrong way, and I, and I understand why. But my, my answer to that is yeah, you know these guys are have basically paid my bills and given me expensive uh, trips that I've taken and, and mm-hmm. arcade rooms and, and addition to you know addition to houses and so yeah, of, of course I've I've had their back. Sure, sure. They're um, helping me, and, and that's that's the opposition that's against me. Yeah, we're going we're to get to that a little later.
0: The opposition. Okay,
1: but yeah, yeah, and I, I have no problem saying. No. Of course yeah, not. Yeah. I, I do help
0: these guys out, yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, SerialColorInc.com, when did you accumulate enough, I guess, product or artifacts, we can say memorabilia, murder bill, whatever you want to say, when did you have enough of it to start your site, and when did you start that site?
1: Well, that's that's going, That's going. kind of going forward many, many years. Okay, you know? f- fill in the dots then, I'm I, sorry. Yeah, well, no, I, I sold on eBay for five or six years. And oh, so, wow, wow. And so, Until about 2000, 2001, and everything kind of happened at once as far as that aspect goes because eBay, and as we will get into later, (laughs) my main opponent, Mr. Andy Kahan, persuaded eBay to outlaw those type items, and that was in 2000 or 2001. Also, at that very time, I was going through a divorce. It wasn't anything related to to the the whole serial killer thing. It was just, (laughs) we we, we just, we just hit our end of our relationship. And so I kind of put things on hold for five or six years as far as selling, but I was still writing and and still collecting and still, you know, gathering a a mass of of inventory and five, six years passed and I started selling again. and, And then I opened the website and, it just it just took off from there. I would say things really really started taking off around 2007 2008. That's when 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 the TV shows wanted me on and and all the news stories would come out that dun dun dun. There's this guy in Jacksonville Florida <laughs> who's, who's selling this evil shit. And so yeah, in the 2007 2008 is when things really really took off.
0: Eric, how do you put a price on an item? Um, you're going to get a Ramirez painting, and this is early on before you really knew. knew Cause you have? We're going to get to some of the unique uh, things you do have. How do you put a price on? Hey, here's a Berkowitz letter. What makes you think of a price to put out there?
1: Well, well, back in, back in the day, it was, you know, when I started doing this, there were a couple of other people around the country that was that was doing this, and there there still is a couple of people. There's not many. There's a handful. You can count them on one hand. But we would all kind of dip on each other and kind of see, well, wow, what, what are they charging for a Berkowitz? Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to undercut them by $10 or, or or this and that. Now, it's just, I know the price is just because I've done this for 25 years, I, I, know, I know what items are worth. So if I got a Gacy painting in tomorrow, if it's a Pogo the Clown painting, I know that I can put that up on the website tomorrow for... For thirty five hundred bucks. Wow, I don't I don't have to research it. You know, I just, just just like anything else, you do something long enough, you're you're gonna know what you're doing in that field. And so yeah, prices now it's mm-hmm. just the back of my hand.
0: Now, now Eric, I, I don't expect you obviously to give me your sources, but besides directly from the prison walls, from the criminals, from you know the incarcerated, where do guys like you, um, where, where else do you acquire your stuff from?
1: From private collectors. Um, now, these days, man, man I get e- I get emails all the time from um, you know people that are just you know their their father died and and they found these John Wayne Gacy paintings in in their father's closet. And Come on, really? Paintings. Oh, all the time, all the time, man. Especially up in the in the Midwest in the Chicago area. Yeah, I mean. Gacy painted every day, all day long for years and years and years and years. So there's a ton of Gacy paintings out there and, and a lot of people knew about it. And a lot of people would, you know, Gacy even, Gacy even put out a a catalog of, of his prices back in the, in the early nineties. And, you know, before he was executed, he had a, he had a catalog of his paintings, how much they were, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, he he sold a shit ton of, of paintings and, and yeah, I mean, I, I get emails all the time. Hey, you know, my dad died. He had this collection of, of, of Charles Manson signed photos that we found in, you know, in a box, you know, how much are these worth, you know, are you interested in buying them? And of course I'm going to buy them, you know, low as shit and, and sell them for a profit. But You know, I I get items that way. I get items from inmates themselves, and I get items from other collectors, people who've who've collected for years and years and years that either want to try to do a trade or they're selling off, you know, part of their collection.
0: And how about this? How do you authenticate something? You know, the the, the business of signed cards from Mike Trout and Jordan. People can forge stuff. How do you know? Is it just being an expert on it? You know if that's legit or if it's fake? Yeah,
1: I've, I've done this for 25 years i know handwriting is say, say if some all well, say somebody say somebody comes up to me you know someone says hey i got a charles manson letter i'm going to try to sell you okay well let me see it okay you're going to look at the envelope you're going to see if the envelope has the prison stamp on it because 99 percent of envelopes that come out of prison that prison puts a uh sing clinton state prison stamp on the front of it you know um Plus the handwriting, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and and say for you know Charles Manson's instance, you can't mistake his handwriting. And if you tried to fake his handwriting, mm-hmm. just because it's so crazy and so whacked out, you, you you just wouldn't be able to unless you were a master forger. And in this business, this business isn't big enough to have fakes. I mean, this isn't like you know sports memorabilia. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not something huge like that. Yeah, I, I I know there's tons of like Michael Jacksons, you know, fake yeah. Michael Jacksons and fake Johnny Depp's and fake you know Bogarts and things like that. But yeah, you're not really gonna see a bunch of fake Richard Ramirez. It's just there's because there, as far as I guess forgers are concerned, there's there's not enough money in it because this this business is small. I mean, I've made a comfortable living, but. You know, I'm, I'm not flying around on, on Lear jets, but <laughs> you know, I live comfortably. But as far as, like, the, the forgers who do the Michael Jacksons and shit, man, those guys, those forgers are, like, living in luxury, you know, selling that fake shit because there's such a huge market for, for you know, Hollywood and sports and, and things like that.
0: Go, going back to your site now give me some of the items that are on your site now from the affordable to the expensive and some other items that you had that were pretty i guess sought after on your website
1: okay well we, usually i always try to have richard Ramirez items um try to always have letters from him Ramirez wrote a lot of people because of his stature and his his rock star image that he had you know he had a lot of people that wrote them so there are a lot of Ramirez letters out there, and I get emails all the time from people, you know, wanting to sell their Ramirez letters. So usually, I always have Ramirez letters on the on the website. You know, of course, like I said, he's dead now. He died back in 2013 of cancer. His his just a uh, Ramirez letter and envelope will go for 175 bucks.
0: Okay, That's,
1: okay, all right. But then you know we we have. Time to time, I don't have any right now, but usually we do have John Wayne Gacy paintings, and those, you know, like I say, go from anywhere from thirty five hundred dollars to four and five thousand. You know, wow, Gacy, wow, yeah, Gacy, Gacy paintings are sought the fuck after, man. Everybody in this hobby, basically, if you're in this hobby and and you do not have a Gacy painting, you're not shit. Gacy paintings are kind of the, kind of the. I guess crown jewel of the of this hobby of this business, and, and if you're a serious collector,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you're you're gonna have some Gacy pieces, definitely.
0: Where are these things, Eric? Are They in your house? Are they on display? Are they in a warehouse?
1: Well, I, I've 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 got an office in my house where I keep everything. I've, I've got a I've got a storeroom. Um, back in the day, my walls were, you know, plastered with 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 all their paintings and and, you know, and so forth and so on. But now, no, because every anything I get now, I'm just wanting to turn it over, you know, and make a profit on it's. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I stopped putting things up on the wall because it became a hassle because if I'm selling things, I'm not going to want to go get something framed, to get it, you know, professionally framed, mm-hmm. put it up on the wall and put money into displaying it for three months and then it sells. So now when I get things now, they just, You know, uh, I catalog everything, put everything up on the website, and it sits sits in inventory until it sells.
0: Now, Eric, Yankees win the World Series. Fans, collectors, they're rushing. You know, they're getting autographs, memorabilia and stuff. And this is a serious question. And and I like to have fun, but I'm making jokes here. Are you the same way when, like, tragedy happens? Like, holy shit, how can I get my hands on a piece of blank without, like, naming a specific tragedy? Are you thinking right away, like, oh, I would love to get a piece of that to try to sell it?
1: I uh, I used to be, okay. I used to, and here, here's an example. I'm not, I'm not like that so much anymore just because I mean, don't get me wrong. I love what I do and I still have a passion for it. But 10, 15 years ago, my passion was times a hundred what it is now. Okay. Here, here, here's a, here's a short little story back. And I, I would say it was 2010, 2011. There was a guy named Anthony. Sowell up in Cleveland he was called the Cleveland Strangler. He would lure strawberries to his um, house in the ghetto and he would kill them there. And, and this is a very infamous case. You can Google it Anthony Sowell, Cleveland Strangler. There's movies, there's documentaries. Anyways, he, he would bury these, these strawberries on his property in the backyard. Well, I, I had, okay, I got in touch with him right after he was arrested, a couple weeks after he was arrested. And he brought up to me, well, hey, you know, I'm I'm interested in making some money. I tell you what, I will – why don't you have someone, if you can have someone, go to my property and get soil and dirt from my backyard. And I will tell you the exact places where you were to get the soil because those were the places that he buried the bodies. So I had somebody up in Cleveland climb the fence because they had fenced in the what? whole property. Yeah, I had and you get that's you can google that too there's new stories about that too yeah i had actually sold soil from his backyard that were the exact spots that he had um buried his victims (laughs) and um wow that that, that's kind of crazy i wouldn't do it now yeah but like i said 10 or 15 years ago you're always all about that shit and yeah it's brutal and it's crass Mm -hmm. and and there's People listening right now that probably have a problem with it, you know, whatever. Yeah, I love doing what I do. Um, 10 or 15 years ago, I really loved doing what I do. And if it meant getting soil from a, um, a dump site that a serial killer led me to, and I knew that I could sell that online, yeah, I was going to do it. And, and that soil, I remember, you know, like I said, I had an associate get a a bag of soil, like a grocery bag of soil. And um, I sold baggies of that shit online for a couple of years. And, it, you know, eventually I eventually had no more soil. People bought it, you know, and and that's another thing that, you know, when I get into it with my opponents, you know, and they're all, you know, going off on of me and accusing me of being this immoral motherfucker for what I do. You know, really what I tell them is, you know, hey, I mean, if it wasn't for my customers and people that bought this stuff and buy this stuff, I would have gone out of business in 2007. You know, I, I wouldn't be around to this day, but there are people that are interested in this stuff. And, you know, and back in the day, my opponents would accuse the people that buy this stuff of being psychos and just crazy people that are just wanting this stuff just because they're fucked up in the head or whatever. Well, turns out now that, you know, I mean, after all these years, I nowadays I sell to law enforcement. I sell to psychologists. I sell to people in the, the academic field who who use the letters and the artwork to, to help teach their criminal law courses in college. Um, you know, and of course, I, I, of course, sell to your average collector, but, you know, it's not just, it's not, and it's, it's not, it's not crazy people or psycho people that buy this shit. There's, you know, there's people out there that collect Nazi stuff and, mm-hmm. and yeah, there might be uh, some people in that mix that are fucked up, just like there might be some people in this mix, this industry that's fucked up. But for the most part, it's people are collecting history. It's dark history, you know, but like I said, I grew up idolizing Black Sabbath and Kiss and Alice Cooper, so you know i think as far as as far as i go i was just i'm attracted to dark things and evidently i'm not alone
0: well now two things i want to start i'm going to go away from the selling of it and we're going to go to the other part your enemies and stuff or all these sales and profits and i might sound ignorant in this Obviously, when alive, the criminals, you know, they're getting something in return. Fine. Does any of this break that or violate the son of Sam law, which we always hear about? I've never really heard of it enforced or how they go around it. Do, is what you're doing uh, the son of Sam law, like if they are profiting off it?
1: Yeah, that that that, that statute is, is, is laughable and comical in itself.
0: Because okay, okay.
1: The way, the way that statute even came about... They were trying to stop David Berkowitz. It's you know son of Sam while It's named after him. They were trying to stop him from profiting off movies and book deals, which you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars that they were trying to stop him from making. Um, you know when when I'm sending inmates twenty five dollars here, fifty dollars there, hundred dollars there. Okay, for one, the prisons don't give a fuck because say I send a hundred dollars to Joe Blow, inmate number 32601, what's he doing with that money? He's taking that money, and he's going to commissary, and he's buying things, and he's putting money into that prison. He's giving that money to the prison. He's not going out, you know, clubbing. He's not going out, you know, buying lavish gifts. Okay. He's not going on vacations. He's putting that money right back into the prison, so... But prisons have never caused a stink over this because they inevitably get that money. You know, when you send money to an inmate, that money is going to go to the prison for for necessities or okay. commissary or or whatever. But anyways, yeah. In regards to the Son of Sam statute, it's it, it's never held up in court. It's been shot down. It, it's never. It's it's never going anywhere as far as any kind of um, court proceedings or, or any kind of of criminality goes. Nobody has ever been held responsible or or penalized for that statute. So it looks good on the books, and mm-hmm. it looks good for, for the for the victims' advocate to you know talk about it and say hey, you know we've got this kind of stamp statute, and and these inmates yeah they can't be making any money or we're gonna. We're gonna you know we're gonna put a stop to it but it's it's never held up it's, it's 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 for looks only pretty much
0: now you mentioned negative feedback you mentioned you have haters and people who are very against you you get a lot of negative feedback and resistance or is it just a couple of people
1: oh god no not uh, over the years mm-hmm. I, I would say I mean I couldn't count them on both hands but in 25 years, it's been very, very few.
0: Okay, okay. You know, and, and who's yeah, the biggest I mean, one? You said there's a big one that is out to get you?
1: Yeah, there's a guy named Andy Cahan. Okay. He's based out of Houston, Texas. He is an opponent. He's a victim's advocate. He's, a, he's my main opponent. I've done debates with Emo on camera. Um, he's he's tried to – funny story about Andy I'll get to in a minute. He, sure. he's, tried to, he's tried to stop me for 25 years. Um, back seven or eight years ago, um, RTL network out of, out of Germany came over They They were doing a piece on me and they flew me to Houston, Texas to have a debate with Andy person to person They they filmed it. You can, we're not in Germany, but it's, it's online somewhere. I think it's even on my YouTube, the um, RTL network piece. Anyway, they filmed Andy and I having a debate and. There's this infamous serial killer named Dean Corll, the Candy Man. Who's, sure, sure. Who's, who's buried in Houston? He's he's buried at a cemetery. He has a headstone and everything. So anyway, the network came up with this idea of, hey Eric, you know, us you know, we're in Houston. We filmed you with you know having a debate with Handy. Let's take you to you know Dean Corll's gravesite and kind of have you you know looking at the grave and. We're going to come up with this story because we know that you've taken soil from Anthony Sowell the Cleveland Strangler like that story I just told you. Mm-hmm. We know you've had soil from Anthony Sowell's house. What we're let's how about we film you scooping some of the soil next to the grave and putting that soil in a baggie. Oh. Whether you want whether you want to take it home to sell it or whatever, that's up to you, but we just want to get you on film doing that. So of course I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know? Yeah, I'll do that. Um I wasn't going to take it home and sell it. I was just, was just doing something for the, you know, they wanted me to do it for the, so anyways, make a long story short. Yeah, they filmed me doing it. They, on camera, you can see me scooping some of the soil up, you know, with my hand, putting it in a baggie. Um, when that documentary came out in Germany, um, Andy Kahan tried to have me arrested for desecration of a grave.
0: Come on. You swear
1: to fucking God, he didn't go anywhere with it in the cemetery. I even laughed at him because I had called the cemetery because when I heard that he was trying to get me arrested, of course it, it alarmed the fuck out of me. So I called the cemetery, and and they laughed. They're like, "There's nothing he can do." He said, "They said for one, a, a, a cemetery plot." They were like, "Well, the family would have to do something. The family would have to press charges or won't charges, you know, against you." It just so happens that this this Dean Coral, there is no family to begin with. So for Andy Kahan, he couldn't just step in and say, oh, yeah, I want him arrested for desecration of of a grave. It it, it was no way. So that's the kind of lowball bullshit that he's done over the years to um, try to have me arrested or put out of business. You know, he he plays a good game on TV of, of Mr. Victim's Advocate, but... But but he's a ruthless son of a bitch in his own right, and I knew I know he has an agenda to try to shut shut me down, and put me out of business, but to try to have me arrested for desecration of a grave when it was something that the TV network set up as a as a stunt to begin with was was comical, and he knew it. He knew the whole story. He knew it was a setup. He knew he knew it was a stunt. But he still, you know, yeah. <laughs> Had to have me extradited back to Houston from Florida for
0: for desecrating a grave, for fuck's sake. Wow. So so now these people come at you. you, You're pretty honest. Listen, I've been talking to you now for 40 minutes. You're very bold. You're very outspoken. When they come at you with, like, what about the victims? Don't you feel like, you know, shit? What's your, I don't want to say comeback, but how do you justify everything? You just say it's your business. This is what I do?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, God, back in the day when I was younger, yeah. I was, I was a fucking mouth. I mean, I would, I was young. I was full of fucking spitting fire and I didn't give a fuck. And I would go off on people when they went off on me. Nowadays, you know, I'm fucking 51 years old. I'm a grown ass fucking man. You know, nowadays, yeah. Hey, that's if they're, if people were opposed to what I do, you know, Hey, more power to them, man. That's, that's what makes this country great. That, you know, we can oppose something, and not worry about, you know, we can voice our opinions that, that we don't like this, or we don't like this, and we don't have to worry about the state coming and taking our asses away and putting us behind bars mm-hmm. for voicing our opinions. So, hey, more power to them. You know, if they don't like what I do, get on a rooftop and scream it loud as fuck that Eric Holler is a moral as fuck, but, and that's fine. You know, more power to you, but where I draw the line is is where, is where and when, especially in today's political climate that's fucking crazy. People trying to make something illegal just because they disagree with it. That's where I draw the line. And and like with Andy Kahan, he's, for 25 years, he's tried to make what I do illegal just because he disagrees with it. And, you know, more power to him to, to speak out against me, but trying to get me arrested and shut down and all this other crazy shit just because he disagrees with it, you know, that's that's some communistic USSR shit.
0: This Andy uh, fella, he has beef with you. Is it also against other guys who sell serial kills? I know it's a small group of you guys. Does he come after all you guys, or is he also going yeah. after guys who sell like Nazi war memorabilia and tragic stuff like that?
1: No, it's, he he just goes against this little group of five or six of us that that, s- that sell these items. He doesn't give a fuck about anything else because that's his claim to fame, okay. you know trying to stop the the murderabilia industry. And, you know, and he, he goes around, and, and I don't know if he does it anymore, but, you know, back whenever, you know, five, six years ago, he would go on these speaking tours, where he would speak at wherever the fuck. And for years, he bought, he never bought anything from me because I would never sell, any, sell him anything. But for years, he went to these different sites and would buy things from these guys you know he would buy Charles Manson letters because he was he would use those letters and the, that artwork at his his speaking engagements to 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 say how bad it was how bad it was to buy this stuff when he was buying the stuff to show how bad it was buying, <laughs> to show how bad buying the stuff is so yeah he, he's an enigma and and you know you, you know whatever more power to him don't try to make what I do illegal because that's that's fucked up
0: I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something and this is gonna sound a little judgy uh, but uh, hopefully you forgive me for it Uh, have you ever tried to do something for the victims and their family because that might uh, alleviate some of the backlash sometimes that you get or is that not even up on the uh, for the table or is that not even your concern really
1: yeah um, okay here's here's a prime example 2012 James Holmes shot up the Aurora oh sure sure the Aurora movie theater Batman I think it was the dark night or the dark night Rises anyways fast forward a year and a half two years later one of the victims one of the surviving victims named Carly Richards mm-hmm. got a hold of me she got shot and of, of course she survived she was you know she got a hold of me um she got shot up pretty bad though um the shooting pretty much ruined her life um. She she went into a very, very bad clinical depression, PTSD, um, nightmares, couldn't hold a job, would get kicked out of, you know, apartments because she couldn't hold a job, because she couldn't pay the rent, because she got shot. Before before she got shot, she was in the military. Um, she, she was a very, very successful, very outstanding, very outspoken, very outgoing girl. When she got shot, it, it destroyed her life. Well, anyway, she she had came to me a year and a half after the incident. and was like, hey, I just had my final surgery. I've got I've 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 got with me right now some some bird shot, some buck shot that they had taken out of me, the final couple of pellets. Is there anything we could do to to maybe, you know, would you be interested in buying these? No or- shit, really. Yeah, right, right. So, so, so I called her. I confirmed that she was really who she said she was. She was Carly Richards, who got shot at the Aurora, one of the surviving victims. So, um, she sent me the birdshot pellets. I sold them on on the website. I gave her one hundred percent of the profits, and they sold for like seventeen hundred dollars each. So that was like almost that was over three grand right there. I took nothing from it.
0: Wow. And, and okay. you gave it all to her.
1: Gave it all to her. Okay. And, wow. and there, there's more to the story though. Um, so I was like, well, do you have anything else that we could possibly, you know, raise some money with? And she said, well, I've, I've got my purse and my jacket that I was wearing that night, but they're all riddled with bullet holes. I was like, Okay, there you go, right there. They're all rid with bullet holes. Send those to me, and I'll put them on the website and sell them. Make a long story short, again, put them on the website. John Walsh from America's Most Wanted, um, back four or five years ago, he had a, a museum in Washington, D.C., called the D.C. Crime Museum. Sure, sure. John Walsh bought the purse and the Whoa. jacket for three grand to put on display in his museum, and again, 100 hundred percent of the profits, but excuse me, a hundred percent of the profits went to Carly. Wow. Now, I was I was not interested. In, you know, I could have made bank off those. I could have, I could have told her, yeah, hey, I'll will give you three hundred dollars per pellet. You know, I could have turned around and sold them for thousands and made thousands of dollars off of that shit. But I, that's that's not where my mind is. You know, I if if somebody needs help, yeah that's that's admirable man
0: that's that's impressive now is eric is there anything you won't obtain i know you mentioned something about you know child molesters child killer is there anything you have no interest in like listen keep that shit away from me
1: well basically the whole pedophilia child killer thing yeah that's okay that's kind of where i draw the line, line yeah anything else you know is is in you know i've been attacked on that before too that people are like well what's the difference between a child and a and a young adult know, or
0: whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Right. You know, they're right or whatever, but that's that's where I personally draw the line and that's just that's that's me. Yeah, I'm not gonna sell anything from from pedophiles and for one, there's nobody's gonna buy anything from a pedophile. I mean that's yeah, not gonna make not, it. Yeah. Silly. Right, but and, and number two, yeah, no, I wouldn't degrade my business with with garbage like that. Now there are a couple of these guys that do what I do that, yeah, you will find some some child killer shit on their sites, and 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 to me that's disgusting. And, and if I'm saying it's disgusting, yeah, that's that's bottom of the barrel shit. But yeah, people, there are some some websites that do what I do that that you will find some some child killer Ugh. shit on. And, I, I'm not yeah. sh-
0: I'm not sure if you're familiar with Harold Schechter. He's one of the best true crime authors ever. He's a close friend of mine. And we talk, we talk a lot about the murderabilia business because he wrote stories about Albert Fish and H.H. H. Holmes and everybody. Right. And he says this collecting stuff has been going on since the 1800s. I'm like, get out of here. And he would say, mm-hmm. there'll be a crime site and people would come near and far and take the bones and just uh, yeah. nail something. Yeah. When when he said that, that blew my mind. So it's not like, oh, we're in the age of social media and people are morbid. This has been going on since the 1800s and probably before that.
1: Right, you know, and and that's, and I don't know if I had read if, if this is something from Harold that I had read, but one of, one of the gangsters in Chicago, and I forget who it was because I'm I'm just not versed in the whole you know mafia and and, and gangland type stuff. But but one one of the one of those guys, Capone or Dillinger, one of them were, was was shot and killed on the sidewalk outside of like a restaurant or something. And this is back in what the 30s or 40s or whatever, and and yeah, there would there would be people that would come by and dip and their scarves in the blood from the sidewalk to have to have something as memorable from that scene, and and there's a whole there's a there's even a a story that um, the Roman soldiers would, would would had taken pieces of the crucifix and, and the nails and and things with the whole JC crucifixion thing to, to keep as as memorabilia. So, yeah, I mean, that goes back to the whole thing that people are fascinated by darkness, you know? I mean, I damn sure am, you know? Yeah.
0: Do you consider yourself a collector or a dealer or a both?
1: Now I am a dealer. 25 years ago, I was a collector.
0: Is there a piece right now in your collection that would bother you to sell, like, oh, I don't want to part with this because of whatever connection?
1: No, not now. There there was a piece that I held on to a very, very long time. A guy named Sean Sellers out of Oklahoma. who uh, He was a Satanist. He killed his parents. He was the youngest person at the time in the 80s. He was the youngest person sentenced to death. Um I had gotten close with him and developed a a a very good friendship with him, you know, while before he was executed. He was executed in '99, I believe. But he, he had painted me a goodbye painting. And I had kept that painting up until a couple of years ago. And that was one of the pieces that I thought I would never sell, but someone wanted it and they offered a decent amount. And I don't have any. I, I don't have it anymore. So yeah, I've I now know whatever I get now just because dude, I've had it all over the years. I mean, I've had panties from from female killers. I've had false teeth from from mass murderers I've had um fucking soil from from dump sites. So, so I've had it all, you know, and and now it, it's good enough for me to be to just say, "Hey, you know what? That piece right there, I sold that. That was that came from me." So that's my satisfaction in it now and, and and you know it's all money driven to me now. I don't you know like I said 15 20 years ago I was very 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 passionate about what I do. I'm still passionate but not like I used to be.
0: I was watching a, Yeah, I was watching a, I was wa- I was watching a video on you and you were at an auction. And what were you with? Was it the Unabomber stuff or the Zodiac memorabilia? First of all, where are these auctions? And is that weird to be in something so infamous as like the Zodiac sunglasses and stuff like that?
1: Okay, that's, yeah, that was actually National Geographic Taboo. Okay. Um, Had sent me to Atlanta, The, the United States Marshal's office had all of, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, they had all of his stuff stored away for, what, 20 years? He, he was arrested in the 90s, I believe. The U.S. Marshal's Office had all his stuff from the cabin in Montana where he was arrested. They had all that stuff stored away. The U.S. government knew that there was interest in those items, and they sold the hoodie and sunglasses, they sold the actual manifesto. They sold the typewriter that he used to type the manifesto. They sold all his wow. actions wow. His, his, his hunting paraphernalia. Um and it, they did they donated all that to the victims of, of his crimes, which was very honorable and I would have done the same thing in, in that case. They're they're the government. They you know they better have donated yeah, them, like, yeah, yeah. to the um to the, to, to the victims and the hoodie. As far as the hoodie and sunglasses go, it's never been released who bought the who bought the hoodie and sunglasses. But I, I've got I've got very high suspicion that it was John Walsh from America's Most Wanted who had bought that for his museum, the DC Crime Museum that was active at the time. Like I said, it's no more. Mm-hmm. He, he closed it down, but. I have very high suspicion that John Walsh is is the uh, is the guy who bought the hoodie and sunglasses. The hoodie and sunglasses sold for I think it was twenty two or twenty three thousand dollars just for those two pieces.
0: If if you so. if you said to me, Mike, money's no issue. I would want like a Babe Ruth worn jersey, or maybe like a Tiger Woods uh, red polo from winning the Masters on Sunday. In your line of work, what's the holy grail of something? Like I want blank. I know there's so many, you know, weird and unique things. What would be your holy grail of something?
1: I would, I would say it would be it would come down to either the hoodie and the sunglasses from the Unabomber, or John Wayne Gacy's clown suit.
0: And someone owns the clown suit right now.
1: Yes, John Walsh.
0: Oh, oh. Now, where is this stuff now? Obviously, there's no museum, so he just has it packed away.
1: I, 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 I guess so. I guess so. But yeah, he he owns the Gacy clown suit. Yes. Wow. Uh, I did. You know, a- so, as far as I know, I think the the Ted Bundy Volkswagen has gone through a couple of different people. Jonathan Davis of Corn. yeah, yeah. yeah. Owned, owned, owned the Volkswagen at one time. Um, uh, a private collector that I know named Art had owned the Volkswagen at one time, and if my memory serves right, I think John Walsh actually ended up with the Volkswagen as well. I might be wrong on that, but I but, but I, I do believe John Walsh also has the, the Volkswagen.
0: A quick Google search on you. Obviously, a lot of shit comes up, but a lot of Casey Anthony came up. One, How did you get involved in selling her stuff, and what, she, what and how did that relationship come about?
1: Wow, you know, you know, sitting here, you know, me mm-hmm. reflecting on on, on twenty five years, I can sit here and go, wow, you know, what? there's there's nothing really to tell. I'm boring, blah blah. blah. But with all these things that you're bringing up, man, yeah, there's evidently been some crazy shit that I've I've been involved with. The the Casey Anthony shit. <laughs> oh god, that's, that's that's a that's a whole that's a whole episode in itself. I had um a chick in Orlando. Got hold of me, and she she sent me an email. She says, "Hey, you're never gonna believe this, but the Anthony's had a garage sale, and they did. I it was all verified. Um, the Anthony's had a garage sale, and that garage sale they sold Casey Anthony's clothing, and uh, they had uh, they had uh, they had also sold." And this is this is crass as shit. They had sold some toys from Kaylee. I didn't get
0: a hold oh. of them.
1: Right, right. And the chick that emailed me, she didn't get any of the toys either. She had just gotten the clothing. Evidently the toys were somebody already grabbed them. Um but yeah, the Anthony's George and Cindy, they had a garage sale at the grandmother's house in Orlando. And this is a chick that lived down the street and knew who they were and knew that the house was the grandmother's house. And she bought a ton of Casey's old jeans and purses and and um, got a hold of me. And, <laughs> and, yeah, of course I sold that shit on my website. You yeah. know. And, and, yeah. and did it do well? Yeah. It, it wasn't – it didn't fly off the shelves. So I ended up making good money, but – also got threatened by George and Cindy um, because but, of the they word, it. Because of the yeah right, they threatened me because of the wording that I was using on the website. I was I was calling it the Casey Anthony garage sale,
0: and okay. they're like, oh, <laughs> okay, you,
1: you can't you can't do that. It was it was this was this was at the grandmother's residence. We're going to sue you if you keep using Casey's name and. And I think I had used George and Cindy's name in it too or something. So so they gave me a stink about it. And I talked to, to their attorney online at the time. And he's like, look, just just change the wording. And I ended up calling it the Anthony garage sale or something like that. And they never fucked with me. But, yeah, that, that stuff, I thought I was going to make an absolute killing off. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to make a killing off of it. I I came away with a profit, but no people that stuff didn't sell as, as well as I thought it was going to sell. Um, and my, you know, the whole thing about, about baby killers, blah, 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 blah. Well, my whole little loophole with that was, Hey, Casey was, was found not guilty. So in the eyes of the law, She's not a baby killer, so it's okay. I can put this stuff on the website. I'm not selling a baby killer stuff because the law says she didn't, even though everybody knows she did. Of course. Um, give me some. Of the, you know, but, give me some. Yeah. The,
0: give me, um, Eric. Give me some of the people you met throughout the years. Some people that uh behind bars and stuff that you actually went and met. Well, Krista
1: Pike, she's on death row in mm-hmm. Tennessee. Um, Rod Farrell, he was a vampire clan killer here in Florida. Eugene McWaters, who's a Salerno Strangler here in Florida. Um, a chick named Melissa Ferris, who's not uber well-known, but she, she, back in 2005, she, her, she was a stripper. There, there, She killed another stripper at a strip club. Her and her boyfriend were on the run. They got pulled over here in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, as state troopers were were as they were approaching the car with their with, with their guns drawn, Melissa takes out her pistol and points it at her fucking boyfriend's head and blows blows his fucking head off oh right there. God. Right, right, exactly. So so um, they they took her alive. You know they they didn't kill her. They took her alive. She went to she's she's on death row in in Tennessee now. She was eventually extradited to, to Tennessee, but while she was here in Jacksonville, yeah, I was, when she was in the Duval County Jail, I, I would go up there every week and visit her hang out with an attractive chick. I mean, she was a stripper. She was, she was, good looking, you know, and, and I developed a really good friendship with her and, um, so, but yeah, there, there's been a lot of people like that over the years I've, I've hung out with, but in the last five or six years just because of, of personal issues and family issues. Yeah. I haven't really been able to visit people. I I, I had a, my mom recently passed away, but she was an Alzheimer's patient and mm-hmm. the last five years of her life. I was basically caregiving for her. So, I didn't have a lot of time to, you know, to go to prisons and, and visit and, you know, like I used to. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to start doing that again, but that means, you know, getting up the whole writing thing again and getting back in touch with people. And, mm-hmm. and I would like to do that, but I've gotten lazy about it now, uh- <laughs> you know, uh- because now I can, you know, get my items from private collectors. Sure. And, and but yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, I, I might start visiting inmates. Again one day, Eric. Eric to, s-
0: speaking yeah. of speaking of certain uh, serial killers, so, so you came on my radar because I just finished reading. Uh, I'm a big reader. Green River Running Red about Gary Ridgway. and Rule wrote the book. Tremendous serial killer book. And then you know I just clicking clicking clicking, fall down the yeah. rabbit hole. Find serialkillersink.com. Get in touch with you because the site just blew my mind. And yet, I don't find much Gary Ridgway stuff. Not that I'm looking to buy anything, but he's not on many sites. Yeah. Is he not a writer? What's what's his deal?
1: Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't write people. I think I've, in in all honesty, I think I've seen maybe, maybe two letters from him, in fifteen years. Wow. He just, yeah, he doesn't write people, and 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 there's, there's there's a few of them like that, you know, that are very reclusive and. And don't write, but Gary, yeah, and everybody I know in this business and in, in this industry, in this hobby, whatever you want to call it, have tried to get Gary. I've tried to get him, Um, but he just, he just does not write people. And yeah, if I had a Ridgeway letter, yeah, shit, that's that, that's that's some mega bucks because and, there are none out there.
0: Any other big time names that we all, you know, that. I hate to say this, but casual, true crime genre fans like that just don't have... Uh, Gary Ridgway is the one that stuck out for me. Anyone else that's pretty infamous that no one has any stuff from?
1: You're putting me on the spot. Um, Zodiac, of course. Of nobody course. But knows who is, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, God, yeah, like I said, you're putting me on the spot. I know there's, there's many that people don't have anything from, but I'm just drawing a blank. A lot of overseas killers... Sure. Um, a lot of Australian killers, um, people have tried to get and and can't get. A lot of European killers, a lot of Russian killers. There's a there's there's a there's a couple of boys that I went after hardcore for about five years, and I had a friend in Russia who had actually given me a. I searched high and low, and you can't find fucking prison addresses for inmates in Russia. But anyways, through the internet, I I knew somebody in Russia. And I had them track down the the prison addresses of these three guys who are called the Dnepropetrovsk Maniacs. Okay. And they, they three young boys when they did their crimes, they were like 16, 17 years old. They killed like 30 people, and they they filmed it. And there's you you can Google there's there's it's called Three Guys One Hammer.
0: Oh my God. And,
1: yeah, they kill people with hammers, and it, it's pretty brutal you, you you can find it anyways they're they're they were russian ukrainian actually and um i had some a friend in russia who tracked them down their prison addresses down i wrote them i wrote them in english i put the english i typed out you know in word english letter i translated the russian i translated <laughs> ukraine and i put all three letters in envelopes. And I did this for five years trying to get them to write me back. And, and she had told me, she was like, you know, they might not even be getting your letters because prisons here in Russia,
0: oh, they're they, a lot give, different. They,
1: don't, they They don't give a fuck about giving their inmates letters. So she was like, you know, either. And yeah, either, either they got my letters and they just did not want to write back or they never saw any of my letters. And that, that's what I'm thinking because I mean, I basically propositioned them to, "Hey, you know, you guys want to make some money? You're in a Russian prison. You want to make some American money? Get with me." And I never heard anything. So yeah, the Russian authorities, the Russian prisons, were probably reading those letters. And like I said, I had, I had, I had those letters translated to Russian and Ukrainian. So when they opened the envelope, if they couldn't read English, they there was other they, ways to read it right so 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 i'm thinking they just never got my letters and after four or five years yeah i gave up but i really tried i, I went after them hard i i would write letters constantly and could never get them but yeah if you're ever bored and you want to there's a documentary on youtube they're called the, the nepetrof maniacs and the spelling of the nepetrof it's 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 weird Russian spelling, but if you even sound it out, you, you'll find the documentary on, on YouTube. And it's it's They
0: were fucking brutal. You ready to finish up with some quick hit questions? Yeah, let's do it. Best serial killer documentary ever is?
1: Holy fuck. Um, oh God, you're putting me on the fucking spot again. Um, best serial killer documentary. I'm not going to say it's a documentary, but the movie zodiac with um gillen hall that was released yeah i love that love it and it is it is kind of a documentary because it is very true to form factual movie so that's my documentary
0: weirdest thing someone has sent you i have a lot of authors well you know i have a lot of people on and they always say like fans send them some crazy shit i know you're in the business what's the weirdest thing someone's ever sent you pubic hair really
1: yeah. Just in the mail. Yeah. I just
0: got some pubic hair. A
1: baggie of pubic hair. Oh. Wanting, me, wanting me to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: best. I don't know if you're a big reader. Best serial killer book.
1: The Making of a Serial Killer The Danny Rowling Gainesville Murders Story by Sandra London and Danny Rowling. That book is phenomenal. It's graphic as fuck.
0: Do you have a favorite serial killer that if there's an article about you're not missing it that if you're just laying around, you do a quick Google search
1: um because he was my boy mm-hmm. Richard Ramirez and why Always. why you never met him not in person no uh uh-uh.
0: you can sit down and have a beer with one i obviously I think this answer is gonna be Ramirez, but you can sit down and have a beer with one of these criminals. who would it be Zodiac? oh, that's a good you know that's a good <laughs> answer. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this one, Eric. Why don't you think, and and thank God we don't, um, why don't we have more active or well-known serial killers now? Why are they not as active or prevalent now?
1: Technology.
0: Okay.
1: You know, back in the 70s and 80s, there was no DNA, Mm -hmm. you know? Nowadays, you kill one person, you're going to get fucking called.
0: Yeah. So you, you think some of these guys might have these rages and these urges, but they kind of just they can't fulfill their stuff because they're getting caught too quickly.
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah and you know plus all these stories about you know th- this guy killed a prostitute you know now he's going to trial he's killed one prostitute you know guys like that yeah if this was the 70s they would have went on and on and on and on until they got caught. but uh, technology and DNA today they kill they kill one person. And they're busted. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of serial killer wannabes that are in prison now that only got one kill. And they were aspiring to get a lot more, but just could not do it.
0: You know where I think the industry – I'm going to finish up with this – where I think the industry would have made the most money? Action figures. It, It sounds silly and corny. People love action figures. You really don't see serial killer action figures. I know on Etsy there's a few of those little small ones. That's something yeah. that, yeah, is that a surprise that never picked up, really? There,
1: right, right. There is one line that's amazing. It's called Spectre Studios. S-P-E-C-T-R-E Studios. This guy makes them out of his house, but they are phenomenal. He does the Zodiac. He does Ramirez. He does Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer, Gein. And they are amazing. Every time, you know, I, I get my hands on them from time to time, and and they they sell very quickly. They're, they're, they're very, expensive?
0: Yeah. 200 bucks. Okay. Yeah. And they look really good?
1: Very good. Google Google Spectre Studios Serial Killers
0: figures. Yeah, I'm going to check that out right now. Eric, listen, give the plug where people can check you out. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, your website, of course. All the <laughs> unique, unique stuff, all that jazz.
1: Uh, you can just basically go to the website, SerialKillersInc.net. Um, we do have a, a Inc. Facebook page, but Facebook is so passe now. I really don't use it a lot. Um, you can look me up on my personal Facebook. I post a lot of crazy shit on my personal Facebook, but I do get political, and I do get into my other aspects of my life, and my Facebook is just Eric Wayne Haller. Um, you can look me up on there. I'll add you.
0: I, I don't have the Facebook. I, I got to tell you, I just uh, looked up Spectra Studios. Wow. Yeah. These are like real-life detailed. Like, oh, my God.
1: Dude, buy me the set.
0: You got it, brother. Anything you need. <laughs> hey, I, I'm going to make you laugh. So, Eric, eh, you don't fall into this category. Don't worry. But everyone who comes on my show, like my studio and my room and the bar where I do the show from, everyone who comes on my show, you know it's mostly athletes and authors. So, they send me up all these jerseys and stuff. So, usually, I finish up with, okay – send me up something from you. But we're not going to send up any serial killer stuff. But listen, this was a blast. Hopefully, this was a little different from you. I know most of your um, interviews either come at you hard. I I hope this is different. I want to give you a forum to explain what you're doing. Thank you for answering my questions about the opposition of you, why you sell and stuff. Uh, You were honest, raw, and I I had a good time, man.
1: Dude, man, you've been amazing. i tell you what, though. I'm going to be in South Jersey September 17th for about three weeks. Um if we can if we can, you know, figure it out, man. I'd like to meet you for a beer and um
0: Brother, this was a blast and I'll uh I'll hit you up, my man. Thank you for doing this, man.
1: Dude, right on. Thanks, Mike.
0: Talking to you, your brother. Bye.
1: All right.